Hey, I'm Russ. And I'm Steve. Growing up in the 80s, we were introduced to video games, movies, and technology that made a lasting impression on us and forever enriched our lives. I think I'm gonna cry! It's been a fascinating journey to be a part of, one that we constantly treasure. Fire! Booty! Our goal is simple. Share our magical moments of discovery and geek out with lovely folks, just like you. Uh, achievement unlocked. So if you crave pixel goodness, memorable moments, and experiences that make your inner child do the happy dance, you've come to the right place. Let's do this! Welcome to Joygasm. <laughs> yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Joygasm, where we talk about video games, movies, and pop culture. My name is Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and joining me is my sublime sibling Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, as we begin episode 27 on this July 22nd, 2017. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to show us some love, you can find us on Twitter at JoygasmTV and Facebook.com slash JoygasmTV. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash JoygasmTV or search JoygasmTV on YouTube. And no matter how you use us or which platform you like to consume, please drop us a subscription, thumbs up, or a review. It helps us build awareness, which we appreciate very much. And a big thank you to those who have done so already. We have a terrific show planned for you today. In video game news, we'll go over juicy headlines, including another Nintendo console possibly in development, a major Pokemon Go update, the top-selling console for June, excuse me, June 2017, June. the latest Forza 7 news, and some moving and shaking going on at BioWare. Joining us today is our guest, Nick, a.k.a. Twelfth Moose from the Destiny Clan DoD, who has made his triumphant return to the Joygasm show unspoiled to provide us with his Destiny 2 beta impressions and chat about Diablo 3's latest character class, the Necromancer. Be sure to check out the DoD Cave podcast on Twitch. Just do a search for DoD and they'll pop up in all of their saucy glory. We'll also check in with our good old friend Brad to hear about his San Diego Comic-Con adventures later in the program. Our main topic of the day, of course, will be the Destiny 2 beta. But first things first, how you doing, Steve? Russ! It's Saturday, and I'm doing great. I had a couple dreams last night. I've been dreaming a lot lately. What kind of dreams you been having, Steve? I, you know, I have no clue. They're just weird. They're just odd. They're off the wall. They fragmented. I, I I think something about the UFC happened, and uh, <laughs> I think Star Wars. I think Overwatch. And you had like Darth Vader versus Tracer in a UFC yeah, death match, and I think I think politics was involved in there somehow. But um, <laughs> yeah, everything flashes through my mind at hundred miles an hour, and I wake up going, man, I don't know what I just dreamed. I felt like went through a journey and a half, <laughs> but I lived to tell the tale. Very nice. How about any games? You been playing anything? I know you've been playing some Overwatch. I have. Uh, I did a little bit of competitive, but nothing much to report. I, I went up a couple points, went down a couple points, but came out a little bit ahead. Yeah. Overall. Uh, but nothing much to report on that side. How about watching anything? No, I do have. I I do have the Magnificent Seven. In the mail. Oh, okay. So I have yet to watch that. I've been paying a lot of attention to what's been happening lately in the news and 
some personal stuff. Mm. But uh, I will give you a full report on that one as soon as, uh, as soon as I can. Well, Big Baby Moose, welcome back to the show. What is new in your world? Ah, there are many new things. Destiny 2 beta, obviously. Yes. Been, been trying that out. I know it's hard to believe. I <laughs> can't hardly believe it myself. But yeah, I've been dabbling in that. I can hardly believe you're here with us again. Have you been dibbling and dabbling? Or, ju- uh, or just inv- doodling? If it involves a D and, and, and doing something, I've been doing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, so no, I've been doing the beta some, and uh, the boss have been farting around with that necromancer. Yeah! Over in the Diablo 3, having a really good time with uh, that class, uh, being that was my favorite class from Diablo 2. I was glad to see his triumphant return. How long have Tristan. you been playing as the necromancer now? Well, I started playing the day it came out, so however long that's been, I guess that makes it a few weeks. Okay. I've managed to get myself a hold of a couple of full sets of gear to make my builds go boom, uh, yeah. which is awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm having fun with that. And then I've also been playing a little bit of uh, the old uh, Forza Horizon 3. Forza! Yeah, so I've been doing that. Uh, I love those games. Uh, actually, believe it or not, this is the first Horizon game I've played. I've played most of the, you know, typical Forza series, but this is this is a this is a new dabble. And I gotta say, I kind of like the format a little better with the open world. Oh and man, it's so good! Driving all over the country, it's it's pretty awesome. So I've been having a good time in that. Have you uh, gotten the DLC content for that? Like the Snow Mountain oh, and... Uh, oh, oh, no, Blizzard oh, yeah. Mountain? I think it was Blizzard Mountain. Yeah, Blizzard, Mountain Blizzard Mountain and yeah. Hot Wheels. Heck Hot yeah. Wheels! Dude, that's so awesome. It's like a child's dream come true. It really is. Isn't it cool how like you can see the, the sunlight kind of bleeding through the underside of the track sometimes? Like, like there's like a translucent quality to the track. The track looks plastic. It's, it really it does, does look plastic, yeah. Yeah. It looks plastic. It's got the little lines in it from like the cars driving on it all the time. You know, the, the little yeah. grooved lines and everything from mm-hmm. using the plastic. And, it's all about the oh, details. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a blast. It's really about the details. And they did a great job capturing that whole Hot Wheels vibe. Took me right back, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think the game's come down in price a little bit, too. Has it? I think it's going to get down like the 40 bucks, if I'm not mistaken, on Amazon. Okay. I got to double check that. But if anybody likes driving games, they got to try. Did you buy it? I guess I'll stop talking right there. Uh, I haven't bought it yet, <laughs> Russ. No, yeah, thanks for coming. Wow. <laughs> it's a great deal. No, I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> I just come over to your house and play. Hey, you know, you are welcome there here you anytime. Anytime. You can come up here, too. Fly <gasps> up to Washington. Really? Ooh. Thanks, yeah. Nick. Man. It's high Amanda time you fly over to Seattle, and that pun was totally intended. Oh, my gosh. Don't even get me started. But I'm... Well, have you been watching anything or has just been playing? Uh, you know, mostly just been playing. I, I did a binge watch of uh, some of the good old Netflix Marvel series when those came out a little bit ago. But since I knocked all those out, went through into the Badlands, and uh, now I'm just kind of playing games, waiting for new seasons to come out of stuff. That's pretty much it. Uh, movie-wise, can't say I've been to a movie since Wonder Woman, which was awesome. Oh, my gosh. Wonder Woman is very much loved around here. There you go. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, when that music comes on and she just starts smashing people, you're just like, yeah! Yeah. And it definitely doesn't, you know, hurt the Gal Gadot's uh, pretty easy on the eyes. Yeah, no, she, we, we, we were talking about her in a previous episode and uh, we just, both of us, I think it was unanimously felt that she just really imbued all things Wonder Woman. And I mean, she had the beauty going. She also had the conviction in her acting and... Yeah, well, it's, we we definitely would love to see more of her, especially when Justice League comes out later. I think it's what November seventeenth, maybe. I think it's in November, but I don't know. That sounds right, but yeah, no, she did a great job. She really carried that movie really well. I thought she, she carried that sword really well too. Oh yeah, she carried <laughs> a lot of things really well. But no, I, I, th- I felt like she embodied the character like fantastically you know every once in a while you'll see somebody get cast for a role and you're just like that was such perfect casting you know with like robert downey jr as iron yeah, man totally Tony stark you're just like yeah that that's the right guy for that he he is that that character i mean not literally that but i mean he just picks picks the nuances and she did the same thing i feel with uh with wonder woman oh so yeah good, good job and you know that they're, they're already uh working on getting the sequel off the ground i think patty and jenkins the director is is uh still uh, probably holding out a bit because I think that she realizes that that uh, she did an awesome job. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and, and you got to think about the challenge that came with, with potentially making a movie such as, I mean, not to be a chauvinist, but typically the male you know, faces of, of the superhero universe tend to be the ones that rule the day when it comes to, to cinema and other things. And so to take one of the female characters, and I, I'll argue right now that she's by far and that movie by far is the best DC movie out of these new Batman Superman movies that are coming out. Mm -hmm. It's by far the best one. So I think she would be smart to take a, what do they say? Strike while the iron's hot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I keep going back and forth between man of steel or wonder woman. And, um, cause I, 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 you know me, I, I really did enjoy the, the first man of steel. There were, there were a couple of little issues I had with it, but overall I just really enjoyed that film. But wonder woman is right up there too. And I think I would probably have to say overall, I think that they were a little more successful with wonder woman, um, just in, in the, the, whole, the entire package, I guess you could say. Although yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I did wish that they had a bit more time spent with kind of the motley crew of characters. And we've talked about this in a previous episode, but just um, I I really did like the different supporting cast members that they had. And it just seemed like, okay, we we were going to gloss over this a little bit and we're going to keep going with the story. And it would, you know, it's a nitpicky thing, but anyway. No, I, I completely agree. I think it's just, it's one of those cases yet again in cinema where, you see them trying to keep that that film somewhere around two hours, and it's like sometimes like, you know what? I, I don't mind sitting here for three hours if the content's good. Give me more. And I think that that movie, with that particular aspect of it anyway, definitely fell into that category of, yeah, give me a little more fleshed out story about these other guys because they were interesting characters. Totally. Yeah. Well, I, for one, I think that uh – the, the biggest thing worth noting is me returning back to Diablo three. I had played that game when it first came <laughs> out and uh, Nick had uh, actually contacted me and, and was curious if I'd be down for checking out the necromancer class. And I was like, uh, yeah, tell her. <laughs> and so oh my gosh. it was actually really funny because I, I hadn't played Diablo three in several years. And so I get back in and I like absolutely have forgotten 
everything. I don't know how to do a, a single thing. And I'm just this little puny level one necromancer like, hey, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> and then Nick's oh, like, yeah. oh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll join you here in just a sec. And then all of a sudden I see this huge creature, like this epic thing that's standing before me. And he's like, hey, that's me. Uh, that's me right there. I'm like, <laughs> hey, Ross, how you going? oh my gosh, dude, you look amazing. And uh, I think what, what your level is, what, 70 or 793. <laughs> Well, my Paragon levels up near 593. Actually, oddly enough, I think I'm like 592. So yeah, yeah, maybe oh, 592. Oh, yes. I'm in the ballpark. So, so yeah, level 70 is your cap, and uh, but yeah, but then you can continue to gain like minor attribute boosts by gaining Paragon levels once you make it to 70. And so yeah, I rolled in there, but I but I took you in my arms like a you like did a fresh young babe, and I caressed you. You took me under your bony back wing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my bony bat wing. Yeah, it's a necromancer after all. And literally, he does have bony bat wings. So, you know. It was so cool, though, because no pun intended. Nick is like, hey, you want to level up quickly? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yes. That'd be great. Yes, He's I like, do. Follow me then. And it was so we go into <laughs> Follow this, me. Yeah, we go into this portal. <laughs> and I'm like a third the size of Nick's character. Nick's character is just this like Goliath. I'm like, like you know what? It actually reminds me a lot of Brian Regan. I knew when he was going to talk yeah. about going to the gym for the first time. Yeah. And there's like this buff dude. He's like, here, let me show you around and, you know, this is uh where you do your bench presses where you lift weights and the whole time it's like ryan ring was joking on the, on the show saying like he feels like he's like this monkey hanging on like this buff guy's arm going where are we going thunder yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that's exactly oh, what man. it was like it's just like oh my gosh yeah it, I, I was kind of a little bit ahead of you yeah you know, but yeah but it was but i loved every second of it because like i was literally having to remember like how do i actually attack how do i access my stuff and so it just if you can like you know, for those of you who have overactive imagination, just imagine like me as this dinky level one person going, now how do I bloody blah? And we're in like some desolate space. And meanwhile, there's like this huge beastly creature necromancer of a guy who's just absolutely just laying waste to everybody in front of me. And it's literally like I've got my head in this instruction manual, not being aware of all the threats around me. It was awesome. I see you as being like a necromancer version of the Iron Giant, Nick, and then Russ being like a high school cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially what it was he's sitting yeah. there and you know you can imagine it's like you're sitting there and you know in a lot of games when someone's in their menu they get the little thing that pops up over their head with the, the three periods you know and it's like <laughs> here's this little guy sitting there the three periods going over his head death is everywhere yeah. everything's trying to kill him, and i'm running around like oh back back kill it kill it back and you and you take that haha you know and, and he's just sitting there okay you press x and yeah. that does the main attack it was so funny because like there'd be times where like nick would just run off he would like lay waste and just just run off. and i forgot where the map was so like there'd be times all of a sudden i'd be like hey wait a minute nick it's literally like like just imagine like a little level one character looking up going hey nick uh Where'd you go? And he's like, oh, I'm over here. And you, you hear all this like mayhem going <laughs> <Yeah>. on. And <laughs> I summon the power of a thousand storms. <laughs> and that's what he was doing. Is that Nick? He like had like all these like <laughs> skeletons and whatnot. And I'm just like, oh wait, I think I got thorns to appear. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, all right. I'm getting the hang of this. Uh, but it, it was so. I, I'm over in the corner like, by the power of grace, go. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. and so he'd have to come back. He was literally like my babysitter. He was like my guardian babysitter. And he'd come back and I'd be surrounded by all all these friendly skeletons that were just chilling next to him. He's like, oh yeah, you see me? Oh, okay, let's keep going. <laughs> and the nice thing about it was is that like by the end of the night, I think he got me up to like level 43 or something ridiculous. And so at that point I didn't look so pathetic, but uh, I'm still having to, to go through it. And 
Um, Nick actually, he texted me quite a few web links and whatnot that I, I'm, I've been checking out. Just uh, it's kind of acting as a guide to understand exactly, okay, for the necromancer class, these are the different types of armors you want to look for. And I had even forgotten that, like just, just looking at, okay, what's, what's common versus what's a legendary item, what is a rare item and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, and so it was, it was really fun. It, I could almost see like a South Park version of this where you see some like deathly creature walking around like kind of the, the, um, the store area showing you like, well, this is how you save and this is how you buy something. And, you know, it's just, it's, it, it was a lot of fun. It was fun to be able to, to reconnect with you too, because we haven't had a chance to play a, a game cooperatively here in a while. Yeah, I think the last time we played was in Overwatch, but yeah, it was a good time to to get you in there. It was it's a lot of information to take in, uh, as Blizzard is known to do. And I mean, you guys are both Overwatch there fans. You go. So, yeah, uh, yeah. See, I listen. I listen, and uh, <laughs> I'm tuned in, baby. Yeah. And if you don't listen, you should listen too to the dulcet tones and the. Mm. Anyway, I digress. Uh, but <laughs> as you know, Blizzard does a really good job of supporting their games, and I mean, Diablo three's been out for. It's got to be close to 10 years. I think they just had the 10-year anniversary. It came out in, what, 2012? Oh, I think it was earlier than that. I want to say, like, Diablo 3, I want to say say it was was like 2011 or 2012, somewhere around. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I I know I've been playing it for a long time. Let's just put it that way. And um, they have been doing different things with seasons and... So every so many months, it's usually about three to four months, a new season will start. You could take a character from scratch, level them to 70, and then start pushing the greater rifts and all these other endgame content. And each time they do that, they add in new legendary items to chase. Okay. So they're constantly throwing new stuff into the game. And so you're coming in after there's already been like a ton of these seasons. So a lot has changed. A lot of stuff's been added. Uh, if you're just getting in right now, it can be a little bit overwhelming. But if you're willing willing to, you know, look at some resources, play a little bit, it's nothing you can't figure out. It's a really good time. Really yeah. good time. I think by the end of um, our little romp through, I, I was much more familiarized and just refreshed on, at least with uh, the, the character profile screen where all the attributes are located and all the um, little... I don't even remember what they're called now, but it's like where you go in and you have all those little orbs that you can assign to your weapons and armor and it uh, gives you like additional goodies. Oh, the runes and skills. And the passes. runes. Thank you. Yes. Yep. Uh, but yeah, just looking at even the articles that you sent over, they have done a lot to that game um, since the last time I played it. And I'm actually, I, I can't remember if I asked you this while we were playing or not, but have they included additional worlds like like in terms of the art assets of the environments or are they just kind of doing more of a procedural thing with what they already have uh no they've actually added new areas uh entirely new areas i can't recall off the top of my head exactly how many new environments they've created but i want to say it's somewhere between four and six uh they are not areas i don't believe that you get to necessarily from playing through story mode Mm -hmm. they just show up in adventure mode but they're really cool, and some of them, like some of the art assets for some of the new areas they've created are, are really, really nice to look at. And, of course, you know, anything that adds variety of any kind, even if it's just visual variety, you know, eye candy, mm-hmm. is, is a good thing in a game you've been playing for years and years. So, 
Yep, yep, they've definitely added that in there as well, along with tons of items and weapons and any apparently a new character. By the by, Steve has yet to <laughs> indulge himself into the world <laughs> that is Diablo 3. <laughs> Oh, you got to get in there, man. What the heck was that? <laughs> I don't know. He's sounding all like like foreboding, and all of a sudden he has to hack up a lung. <laughs> I had a mm. loogie. <laughs> yeah, that's not how you summon creatures. Uh, <laughs> that's how I summon creatures. <laughs> From it's the depths. Like, <laughs> 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 Out it comes. Yeah. No, but I mean, when it comes to like getting four guys or even just one or two of your friends and, and just playing something that's like, Pretty simple, but kind of complex. Because in Diablo, it's all about your skill rotation. There, with every build you make, you know your character build for how you're going to go out and attack all these baddies. There's a rotation of your skills that you want to be constantly dropping. So you don't just want to be just like, like you know, a monkey with the the Xbox controller just slapping the the buttons with yeah. your flat hand. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you actually want to move through them methodically. But once you've got the rotation down, it's just like it's the kind of game you can sit and just blow through all kinds of stuff. Loot's flying everywhere. You're leveling things up, and you guys could just sit and have a conversation about whatever. Because it doesn't, once you know your rotation, it doesn't take a whole lot of, like, brain power to, like, actually focus on what you're doing, per mm -hmm. se. And so, I, for me, it's one of my favorite games to play with some some friends where we can actually just really, you know, just sit around and chat yeah, while we do awesome things, you know? Because you're not having to, like, be laser-focused like you are in a game like, for instance, like, Overwatch. Oh, let me see Overwatch. Yeah, I mean, if you stop paying attention for a second in there, you're going to die. <laughs> so uh, you can be a little bit more uh, eh, lackadaisical, I guess you could say, or you can multitask. That sounds better. You can multitask a little better in, in Diablo and have a good time with buddies. We'll have to get Steve back in there and uh, get him a copy of the game and introduce him to it, because I think I'm actually Steve! curious what cl like which class do you think Steve will gravitate towards? Because they, they have like, what, eight of them? Yeah, so they've got the Barbarian, they've got the Crusader, they've got the Witch Doctor, the Wizard, they've got the Monk, they've got the Necromancer, and the Demon Hunter. Okay. And if I if I were to go out on a limb with Mr. Steve, I mean, <laughs> Steve, you're a big burly guy. You like to hit the gyms. You like to lift the weights. The Ooh, weights. yeah. I like to slap it to a slim gym, too. I can see you having some fun with either the Crusader or the Barbarian. They get to smash things and they're huge. I think so. he'd like, yeah, he'd, he'd make a good Barbarian, I think. Yeah. That's yeah. how I feel when I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror. Feel like a Barbarian. He's like, <laughs> He's like, I get out of bed in my loincloth, my fuzzy loincloth made of a tiger's mane. Or, well, tiger's not a mane, lion's mane. And, uh, no, a tiger mane. I want a tiger mane. Where Steve comes from, tigers <laughs> have like, manes, what? okay? I want a tiger mane loincloth. Can I have that? That's how awesome and he is. I want to wear a beret. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, <laughs> we, we killed the poor guy. I think about it. He's like, I'm so awesome that I have a tiger with a mane on it. You didn't even know tigers had manes. And you don't even know and what's underneath this thing either. That's how rare it is. If a tiger and a if lion had well a baby, that would be me. you warm on cold days. <laughs> Dual purpose. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. I had to see Steve getting out of bed. <laughs> he's like, that's how he yawns. And, you know, he gets you up. Know, he, he actually yawns pretty like close a to battle that. axe. That's pretty close, actually. Oh, yeah. I yawn. Yeah, you you shut up, Steve. Stop yawning. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's like <laughs> he's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of yawning. <laughs> Why are you yelling? I'm not yelling. I'm yawning. Yeah, I'm just tired. tired. What's I mean, going on? Pulls out guys? some uh, like a toothbrush or something. <laughs> like I said, yeah, he brushes his teeth with a battle axe. You know? Yeah, there, there you go. Picks his fighting teeth. my cavities. Mm-hmm. Well, better. Maybe I'll just be the uh, Diablo Listerine man. Oh, that could work. <laughs> <laughs> we all oh, we all know that yeah. all those locations could use a little cleaning. Oh yeah, <clears throat> got to fight that gingivitis, a <laughs> <laughs> demon gingivitis. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into some game news, shall we? Let's start off with Nintendo trademark suggests N sixty four classic mini coming. Hope Corrigan reports Nintendo has filed trademark applications which relate to various game controllers, including one pertaining to Nintendo 64, sparking speculation about Nintendo's potential next mini console. A thread on Neo GAF points to a series of applications filed in Europe via a European Union Intellectual Property Office on July 18th, indicating that Nintendo is looking to register trademarks for several of its past consoles controllers. Included in the list are line drawings of the NES, SNES, Nintendo Switch, and Nintendo 64 controllers. Nick, does that give you goose pimples? You know, a little bit. I'd probably have more goose pimples if I could figure out when the heck they're going to make the Super Nintendo Classic available for pre-order. I'm on, like, multiple, like, mail lists. I keep checking every day. I'm like... Where is it? Mm-hmm. Where is it? And like that hasn't even been announced yet, so I'm still like waiting for that one. But uh, the N64 was probably the last Nintendo console that I really gave a lot of serious playtime before I kind of switched over to uh, PlayStation and then eventually Xbox as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really great titles on the N64, and if they can support that thing by pumping in some of the best ones like they have in the Super Nintendo Classic, that's going to be a hot seller. Yeah, definitely. I, I know that you're one of my my Nintendo friends. You you had quite a few of the the SNES titles back in the good old days, and especially with the N64 oh, yeah. as well. And and uh, I'm actually really looking forward to the SNES. That was the one system that I really wanted to own, and I was just too poor back in the day, just being a kid in sixth grade. Uh, but <laughs> just like being able to get um, another chance at that, getting the SNES Classic Mini, and, and like everybody I talk to is like keeping a sharp eye out for it they they are gunning to have that system so i think it's gonna be pretty hard to get yeah no i I tend to uh, agree with you for for most people it seems like at least in our in our age bracket it seems like the system that kind of like cemented them as a lifelong gamer was either the super nintendo or the sega genesis or a combination thereof yeah so i think that there's a lot of people that are just like they're dying to get a hold of that nostalgia you know to get that machine back in their house to not have to use an emulator you know because like i have an emulator on my computer i can play pretty much any super nintendo game i want including ones that are only released you know in japan but there's something about sitting on a couch not at your computer in your computer desk with a keyboard and mouse or a you know or a controller that was never intended for that system and and just being on your couch with the original controller playing that game and i want to share those experiences with my kids you know oh, I show absolutely. Them, hey, this, is, this is what got me going you know and on the n64 classic since that's what we're talking about i can tell you this if they put goldeneye in that thing that thing will sell itself oh that's right i forgot I th- for some reason i thought goldeneye was on gamecube but you're right it was on n64 wasn't it i believe n64 was the first place that the goldeneye was at 
I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. We'll have to look that one up. Yeah, absolutely. Moving right along, legendary Pokemon now available in Pokemon Go. Niantic has finally confirmed the arrival of legendary Pokemon days before the first live event, Pokemon Go Fest, in Chicago, July 22nd, 2017. This announcement confirms that legendary Pokemon will only be obtainable by defeating legendary Pokemon raids. Once defeated, trainers will have a chance to capture the rare and powerful Pokemon, much how they would a normal raid boss. You'll know a soon-to-begin raid will feature a legendary Pokemon if the raid egg is dark blue. Legendary Pokemon will take much longer to hatch, which is, you know, typically a normal egg is 24 hours. For the legendary, they will take 48 hours. This will give trainers in the area time to prepare, suggesting they will be more difficult than normal raids as expected. Legendary Pokemon will not be able to defend gyms, which I think is a very good thing, but they will able to battle enemy gyms and raid bosses. I know that Steve is not a big Pokemon guy. I got totally swallowed into the Pokemon Go experience. Nick, did you play any Pokemon Go yourself? Uh, no, I have not. I know it was it, when it came out, it took off like wildfire. I got two kids. They're both Pokemon nuts. But my, my I myself have not played that game. Yeah, normally I um, <laughs> I, I just looked at it. And I'm like, oh, it's Pokemon. I could see the, the appeal for kids and stuff. And, and then all of a sudden when Pokemon Go came out, everybody in my office started to play it. And so then I got consumed with it. I don't play really much of it anymore, but I could see just how it was a really novel idea. The idea of leveraging the, the augmented reality portion and being able to have like your these, these Pokemon all of a sudden exist on your desk or on like a, a chair or outside next to a fountain or something like that and just lobbing these pokeballs at it. Uh, it was it was a uh, pretty pretty cool, pretty cool experience. So if you if your daughters are into it, I would definitely say give it a shot with them because I think they'll go bananas. Yeah, you're probably right. And I mean, it, isn't it kind of like a geocaching kind of thing? You have to like go out and find them. They show up yep. on a map and you walk out and find them. So I mean, that's a good way to get people just outside moving around too. Oh so. yeah. Yeah, no, it was great. And actually it not to digress too far, but um, it actually helped me to lose some weight. I was wanting to go out walking and I was lacking the motivation. Then that actually acted as a good distractor. And pretty soon I was like, oh, oh okay, I've, I've walked a few miles. Cool. <laughs> Can't beat that. Let's see. The next headline, PS4 was the top selling console for 2017. Seth G. Macy reports PlayStation had its best June ever, according to analysts at the NPD Group. Overall, hardware and software saw a 7% increase over the same period last year. Now, knowing that that's going on, I have a question for you too. Guess Ooh. what was the, or guess what is the best-selling game of this year so far? Overwatch. What do you think, it's, Nick? It's, it's got to be Overwatch. <laughs> nope. Guess nope? again. I, I want to see if you guys can guess this. Oh, wait, no, I heard something about it. It's Crash Bandicoot, Insane Trilogy. Nope. Oh, dang it. <laughs> it's the it's the best-selling game of this year so far. Keep thinking about which games have been released, because I'm very curious. I would have never guessed this. I'm curious if you guys can get it. Games that have been released. So we got Minecraft. Horizon Zero Dawn was released nope. this Nuts. year. <laughs> we have, uh, let's see. And I, you know, I don't get to play as many games as I used to, so... I'll give you. Well, I'll, I will give you a hint. It's on both platforms. That doesn't. It's not a huge hint, but I'll give so you it's a, a dual platform game. I'll give you a second hint. It's by Ubisoft. Don't tell me it's Assassin's Creed. Nope. Oh, thank goodness. 
Ghost Recon? Yes, sir. It's wow. Tom Clancy's really? Ghost Recon Wildlands, which I, I, I wanted I to play that one. That, that, that one looked actually pretty good. It totally blew me away. I was not prepared at all. I was thinking it was going to be like, well, I mean, technically Overwatch came out last year. And I was thinking, well, what are the odds of that? But I would have never guessed that. I saw that in the article. My, my eyes just kind of bugged out for a bit. Did you play that game, Nick? No, I, I didn't just because I, uh, I played The Division quite a bit. And some friends of mine got Ghost Recon and they said while it was more open world and stuff, it was kind of similar to that. But at this point, didn't even have as much depth as The Division has currently. Uh -huh. So I was kind of like, yeah, you know, with a backlog of of games that I need to play sitting on my shelf is kind of like, well, I guess I'll wait on that one. So yeah, haven't had a chance yet. I know I'm, I'm going to pick it up because it's, it's, I had no idea. Even the, the reviews were, I mean, they were decent, but they weren't like nine out of 10 or 9.5 out of 10. I think it scored somewhere around 7.8 or eight, somewhere mm, around there. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. moving right along. Think about, uh, well, as I say, think about the time of year though. Well, yeah. True. You know, they're doing it in June. The big titles all drop, you know, October, September through, you know, November. So that's very true. That could quickly change before the, the year eclipses. But anyway, you guys are going to like this next one. The first 160 plus cars announced for Forza Motorsport 7. It's a Forza! You want a piece of cheese? Want a piece of cheese? Yeah. <laughs> IGN reports Turn 10 has announced that the first 160 plus cars that will feature in Forza Motorsport 7, including the largest collection of Ferraris, Porsches, Porsche. and Lamborghinis. Lamborghini. There you go. Lamborghini. <laughs> uh, in any racing game, the first is the 2014 Porsche 918 Spider. Nice. Which set. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, he's a little excited, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that was one I wanted in, in Horizon was the 918 Spider. Oh, really? Yeah. If you drive that one, that one's got like literally smokestacks, but like uh, flush with the rear of the car. Uh -huh. So if you get up to about 100, 150 miles an hour, those literally go like and they start to kind of like fire up. Oh, wow. And they stay that way. So I wanted to see that in the game. And hopefully they'll can they'll uh, incorporate that in the in Forza Head 7. Nice. I just. I want a DeLorean with a flex capacity. Oh, gosh. That'd be Whoa. sweet. Yeah, now you're talking. DLC, baby. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> the just, Porsche. You just finish the race. Just like as soon as you get to 88 miles an hour, you just finish the race. You're just right there in the future. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> done. Take that. Uh, let's see. Porsche 918 Spider, which set a production car lap record at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca. Hey, California. I love the, the Laguna Seca racetrack. And crushed oh, the yeah. production car record at the Nuremberg by 14 seconds. Did you know that? Yes. Okay. It's made. I'm sure, Steve did. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, I have no idea. It's made almost entirely out of carbon fiber and has a 900 combined horsepower. Oh my gosh, 900 yeah, baby. HP. Uh huh. Dude, my, by comparison, my car has 280. I have no idea what 900 would feel like. That's insane. Well, it's, it sounds like a car for a barbarian. Oh yes. Tiger yeah, <laughs> main Well claw. said, good sir. The second car is the 2011 Lamborghini Sesto. Lamborghini. Oh, dude, I got to say this in an Italian accent. The Lamborghini Sesto Elemento. <laughs> <laughs> the car is a half a ton lighter than the Gallardo and can go six, was 60 miles per hour in less than 2.5 seconds. So you are gunning it right there. The third is the classic Ooh. 1967 Ferrari uh, number 23, Ferrari Spa 330 P4. Are you familiar with that one? 
No, I think I know what it looks like. But okay. yeah, with all the race cars, they kind of name it something a little bit different, the very end of the uh, street version. It was designed after the P3 loss to the Ford GT40 in 1966. The P4 eventually went on to win the prototype championship. Um, anyway, there is an absolute ton of vehicles in here. I just want to list those. If you want to check out the, I think they have the 160 plus cars that they're going to be uh, placing into this game. Just go to ForzaMotorsport.net slash en dash us slash news slash fmz underscore Forza underscore garage. I'll remember that whole thing. Underscore week underscore one. Or what you could do is probably just Google it and just do Forza Motorsport 7 car list. And that probably is a lot easier for you. Keep it simple, Russ. Exactly. That's called kissing it. Keep it simple. (laughs) (laughs) I like it when you kiss me. Last but not least, and this is a this is a big one for all three of us. Bioware general manager steps down. Original Mass Effect director returning. Jonathan Dornbush reports that Aaron Flynn, the general manager of Mass Effect and Dragon Age developer Bioware, has announced he is stepping down after 17 years with the company. Casey Hudson, who I'm a big fan of, the project director oh, yeah. of the original Mass Effect, will be returning to lead the studio as the new GM. Not good. Flynn and Hudson made their individual announcements in separate posts on BioWare's official website. Flynn has been with the company for 17 years. Mentioned that already. Uh, Quote, from my first day until now, I have learned much, met great colleagues and friends, and got the chance to help give players some truly incredible experiences. Every time I think I've found a favorite game-making experience, we start something new and somehow find fun and satisfaction in the new challenges. End quote. Hudson originally left BioWare in 2014 and later announced in 2015 that he had joined Microsoft Studios as creative director with a focus on HoloLens. I remember the HoloLens, but it, I, they didn't really do a whole lot with it. Do you know much about that, Nick? Uh, n- no, I, I don't. I know that, yeah, that was supposed to be a big deal, but it just, you know, as quickly as it kind of came into the news, it seemed to kind of fizzle out. Yeah. Did anybody say bye, Felicia, from uh, from BioWare as he was taken off? Bye, Felicia! Bye, Felicia. (laughs) Uh, The director of the first three Mass Effect titles explained in his post that, quote, the last few years have been transformative. Well, excuse me, transformative. Let's let's see if I can actually pronounce that correctly. Transformative for me from having time to reflect on what I most want to do to working with new technologies at platform scale. And now I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to return to lead BioWare, a studio that I think of as home, end quote. There's one other quote, actually. I'd like to wish my good friend Aaron Flynn the very best in the future, Hudson wrote. Bioware continues to hold a special magic full of profoundly talented people and an inspiring creative energy. When I look at the stunning progress Aaron and the team has made with Anthem and the other projects in the works, I truly believe our best is yet to come, end quote. So I'm not really exactly sure kind of what the insider track is on that, but I'm very excited that Casey Hudson is returning to Bioware because that dude really is what I feel like helps steer Bioware to the success that they have today. Right? Yeah. So. Right. And that's about it for the gaming news. I do. Real quick on that. Sure. I, got, I would be willing to bet that part of the shakeup has a lot to do with kind of some of the issues that Mass Effect Andromeda has had to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you've been keeping tabs on that at all, which I'm sure you have. Uh, that has not been well received. They've since closed that studio and folded it, the Montreal studio that built it. There's There's been quite the shakeup. And with Anthem gaining so much steam this early, my guess is they probably want to really make sure that that thing is 
top notch because they don't want another Andromeda on their hands. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that, that you're probably very much correct on that. It's um, good inside, Dwight. I actually don't even know what the sales figures are for Andromeda. Do you know Nick offhand? Uh, not offhand. I mean, it's not. It's it sold decently, but it's just like if you look at like the Metacritics and I mean, just go look at any feed about it on the Twitterverse or anywhere else on the internet and all it is is the majority articles are bashing it because of the messed up facial animations and just the lack of the scope compared to Mass Effect 2 right. and 3 which you could argue look better and were you know deeper Mass Effect 2 is like one of my all time favorite games game is just, likewise oh, it's just perfect it's so good yep. Bradley has been patiently waiting to give us the full scoop on the second half of his San Diego Comic Con experience. Brad, how are you? I am sore. I am tired, but I am home. So uh, it was a good, real good week. We had a great time at uh, the 2017 San Diego Comic Con, but uh, it's a long week at the same time. Oh, sure, sure. What was the the general vibe of this year's SDCC? You know, it was a weird year. I, I think we all sat down last night, and everybody in our little group who goes has been going for you know years, uh, anywhere from seven to thirteen years, and everybody kind of came out of it going, "This was a weird year," but even a weird year at Comic Con is a good year. Um, the panels were very heavy on Friday and Saturday, making the floor very crowded on uh, Thursday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, overall, everybody had a good time. So, I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah, I remember you texting me saying how the, the word weird came up. It, that seemed to be kind of a, an ongoing theme. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was just strange. <laughs> so, you know, they, they had more line issues than I've ever seen before, line control issues. You know, San Diego Comic-Con and the security staff that they hire – traditionally do a pretty good job managing lines and you know comic-con's got some uh, wristband procedures in place for some of the big panels and things like that and they actually had anywhere from uh, 100 to 400 you know the numbers vary uh people who had wristbands to get into hall h on saturday and when they showed up they were told sorry hall h is full hmm which begs the question of, okay, if you gave out the number of wristbands that the number of seats exist for, how can Hall H be full? Yeah. And what turned out happened was somebody or some group was making counterfeit wristbands. Oh! And selling them um, to get folks into Hall H. So uh, Sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, Sneaky, sneaky, and definitely uh, something that's never been seen before. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's going to create change for the future. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how Comic-Con responds to that. That is one thing Comic-Con is really good at, though, is every year they do a, a feedback panel right at the end and mm-hmm. get ideas from the, uh, from the audience. And I'm curious to see what they come up with here. Um, but, you know, some definite line control issues. Now, I will also add, they did the right thing. Comic-Con did the right thing. And the folks who had wristbands who did not get into the convent or get into the hall were given complimentary four-day badges for next year. Ooh, sweet. <laughs> so, 
you know, so there, there's definitely a, uh, hey, we're sorry, we're going to do what we can to make it up to you. So good on Comic-Con for that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what changes as a result. And um, I would say that's a very appropriate but, compensation. That That's, yeah, way to go. I applaud um, the folks over at SDCC for that. I, I totally agree. I think uh, very fair, very appropriate. Um, but, yeah, man, we, we had a blast. And it was just, it's a great time like always. Now, I have to ask you, uh, with regards to the lines, did you see any line cutters this time, or were they minimized? <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. Inside the convention center, no big issues with line cutters. Um, but part of the challenge is the way that the lines are run now. They kind of go, you go in, in the front door of the convention center, kind of up into a main area, and then you split out from there. And a lot of those lines have gotten had gotten so long that they went back down the back steps and kind of out into the marina area, which is a public area. Mm -hmm. So there were major issues with folks cutting in line who were basically saying, hey, I'm just going to wait till folks start coming down the stairs here, and then I'm going to merge in with the the chaos and hop in. So there, there were stories about folks who camped for 20 four hours for a you know for a chance at a Funko ticket and didn't even get a chance to draw because by the time they got up there a bunch of folks had either come up the back steps or had merged in with the crowd and essentially you know cut in front of them there um this is the quantity thing yeah yeah and it's a control thing and it's you know comic-con has got to figure out a way to manage those morning lines because it really is only for about an hour from about 7 a.m till 8 a.m when all of those lines are drawing um, but they've got to figure something out on that. So hopefully they'll, they'll come up with something there. Um, but inside the convention center, no, I, di- I didn't notice a whole lot of issues. Um, I actually thought the security this year was, uh, was pretty good. I thought the folks, the volunteers controlling the lines were pretty good. Did you didn't notice a spike all- in the, in the overall attendance? You know, it, it seems to be about flat, but it felt, it felt busier on Thursday and Sunday than prior years. And it felt lighter on Friday and Saturday. Okay. Probably because of, you know, so many people being in the panels. Because, um, you know, you can end up with 10,000 people in panels if you've got good panels. Oh, sure. And then you, let's say, add 7,000 of those back into the uh, convention center floor without the good panels. And, yeah, all... Uh, all of a sudden, the lines can change significantly at that point. The crowds can change. So in terms of the swag, did you get everything you hunted for or did certain opportunities escape your grasp? You know, I, I, I did actually get just about everything that I was looking for. I have one that I one item that I kick myself about and actually on a video game podcast. Very appropriate to talk about <laughs> um, Kevin Tong. Uh, who's a Mondo artist and just a you know general artist who creates some beautiful prints, had a poster that he created last year for PlayStation for The Last of Us. Oh, you know what? I think I may have seen that. Yeah, and it's got kind of a, an arm coming down with a knife and you know some butterflies. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a be- beautiful print, and it was one that was originally sold at the uh, PlayStation Experience in December. Um, I didn't go to that event, so I just never had a chance to get that particular print. Missed out when he put it on his website. Missed out when Sony put it on theirs. And at one point, one day, I walked by his booth and he had one hanging. And I looked and I, I made a mental note. I'm like, okay, I'm on my way somewhere, but I've got to come back and pick that print up. Right. Of course, I forgot about it. <laughs> you know, the convention <laughs> happened and 
went back a day later and I'm like, Kevin, any chance you have that Last of Us print? And he goes, no, sorry, I just sold the last one. I was like, damn, should have gotten that one when I saw it. So, yeah. you know, that uh, one of those things, you know, we, we all know, especially at Comic-Con, when you see something, don't say something, but grab it. Yeah. Um, you know, take take that opportunity. Um, but other than that, no, I had uh, had the chance to meet Art Germ today. I've met him uh, a couple cool. times in the past. Great guy. Um, I'm a huge Art yeah, Germ fan, as you well know. And oh, yes, you are. Thank you so much for being uh, kind of Johnny on the spot for me and uh, grabbing some prints that I asked for. That was cool. Of course. Happy to do it. So, yeah, I'll... Uh, <laughs> get those going your way but um and actually i'm glad we waited till today because he had a nice uh instead of twenty dollars per print it was three for fifty so yeah saved a little bit of money there but uh no talk to him for a few minutes great guy um but yeah i mean overall you know the other thing i was pretty excited to get is uh, entertainment earth had a really cool 8-bit mario and um peach kind of action figure so i was able to pick that up um yeah didn't come back home with a ton of swag got a couple things from the blizzard booth and that's about it okay now in terms of i know in the past when i've gone with you you've actually gotten a fair amount of swag to the point where you can actually just put some of it up on ebay was that the same case this year or did you find yourself uh actually keeping most of it yeah, most everything, anything that I buy, I typically keep. Um, you know, the only stuff that I'll, I'll typically throw on eBay is the freebies that they might give away. You know, and even that, we end up keeping most of it nowadays. You know, the, the days have changed, and we were actually wondering if this was a Comic-Con directive. But, you know, five, six, seven years ago, we would come home with shirts and hats and bandanas and, I mean, you name it, posters, you know, just... <laughs> Boxers, backpacks. Yeah, <laughs> backpacks. Fanny yeah, backpacks. backs, baby uh, rattles. <laughs> let's see. I, I think there were some fanny packs. Uh, no utila kilts or anything like that. Anyway, but, uh, yeah. Steve wants one of those deep down inside. I, I, Maybe I was hanging up on I, the wall. <laughs> as soon as I saw that booth, I'm like, oh, I, I should buy one of these for Steve. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, funny, this package came in the mail. From Brad? Rush, you see this? <laughs> Let's open it up, see what it is. He sent me a kilt. <laughs> Not just a kilt, Steve, but a utility kilt. Ah, yes. For every day. <laughs> it even says for everyday wear. Come on. Awesome. It presents a nice uh, updraft opportunity. Let things air out, you know. Yeah. Well, you know and <laughs> for any male issues you may have in the uh, <clears throat> oh, kilt area. That's it. I'm sure with that Texas heat, it'll be nice and cool sometimes to <laughs> oh, man. not have anything underneath. So Got a anyway. serious case of swamp crotch. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I suddenly feel like climbing trees in the neighbor's yard. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't coconuts. <laughs> oh, too far, too far. Too far. Russell. Okay, the line was over here. I went to. Okay, sorry. That's all right. That's all right. But so, uh, another question yeah. I have for you is: uh, How many miles total did you walk? I remember the last time that we oh. were talking, and you just for that day had walked nearly ten miles. You know what? I will. Uh, I will take a look. Let me take. Let me take a gander and see from Thursday through today how many steps I did. Oops. Oh, oh, oh. 
Uh, here, here. Carry the five, move the four. Okay, uh, looks like total number of steps. It's going to be about 150,000 steps. Oh, my gosh. So um, I don't know what that translates to for miles. But, oh, Siri, uh, how many feet uh, in uh, one uh, mile? Well, you're not wondering. 1,280 feet. <laughs> <laughs> One mile is five is little uh, a little under fifty three hundred feet. So, and assume each step is probably what two or three feet. Yeah. So either way, it was probably I'm guessing that's going to put you or put me in the fifty or sixty mile range for the uh, for the for the week. Yeah. Um, and in terms of your feet, let me are they just completely done or what? I learned a valuable lesson this year, Russ. Um, don't buy new shoes right before Comic-Con. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Man. Buy them 90 days before and wear the crap out of them so they're nice and broken in. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually don't have any uh, any foot pain issues when I do a convention. And <laughs> Yeah, you've been, always been really fortunate about that. I, I have yeah. to tell the listeners that uh, – when I when I would go to San Diego Comic Con, both my wife and I would just be limping by the end of each day. We'd have to sit there in like a hot tub and let the the feet soak, and then we would be massaging each other's feet. And Brad never had an issue. That guy would just walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. Never have any kind of foot soreness whatsoever. I mean, you literally had some sort of magic shoe or magic feet syndrome <laughs> going on there. I, it's never been an issue for me. I mean, it, it's, you know, I can go do, you know, two days at Disney. I can do Comic-Con. I can do, you know, at work, I can go work a convention all day and stand on a, a hard concrete floor in, in dress shoes. And I'm okay. Um, but something about the shoes I bought for the con this year, um, I was dying on Saturday and I, I ended up trading out for an older pair of shoes and that seemed to work better today. But, uh, yeah, I feel fine now. I mean, it's just, you know, it's at the time. But yes, a lesson to anybody. If you're going to go and walk 10 or 12 or 13 miles in a day and be on your feet all day, um, make sure you have shoes that are broken in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just just a good, good, friendly neighborhood piece of advice there. So going back to uh, the Comic-Con itself, what were the biggest yeah. surprises at this year's STCC? Um... God, biggest surprise is Steven Spielberg showing up was huge. Oh, um, yeah. So, you know, our friend Chris was uh, able to obtain a wristband for the signing of Ready Player One. Oh. And, you know, it, it's that's upcoming movie. The book is fantastic. If you guys haven't read the book, I would strongly, strongly recommend picking up the book and reading it before the uh, before the film comes out next year. Okay. Um, but uh, it, it's great. It's it, for folks who have that '80s nostalgia, it, this this will hit you right right in the the sweet spot for your uh, <laughs> for the time we grew up in. Um, right but, in the cockles. Uh, exactly, you'll love it. You would absolutely love it. But uh, <laughs> it, think of it as like Willy Wonka meets like '80s pop culture. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, so Chris was there, and he's like, "All right, cool. Let's see who comes out for the signing." Because with the signings, you don't know who's going to show up. Um, the story we always tell is a few years ago, um, the uh, Mad Max movie that came out with Charlize Theron and right. uh, you know mm-hmm. those folks showed up for signing. Mm-hmm. And a couple folks grabbed that autograph. They were super excited. 
And George Miller, the uh, director, was the only one who showed up for the signing. You know, I was a part of that. I remember being in line. Yeah, I was there with Chris, and we were expecting to see uh, the main cast, and nobody showed up except for George Miller, which, by the way, it was still freaking sweet to see George Miller and be able to say hi to him and have him autograph the poster. But still, it was like, that was a major party foul. Yeah. Well, and, and bear in mind, at that time, what was George Miller's biggest movie? I mean, it was, you know, he had done what, Babe, Pig in the City, or something yeah, like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, he wasn't the uh, the director that he is today. Um, and when you're hoping for a Tom Hardy or Charlie Theron, you know, when it's just George Miller, you kind of go, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so Chris shows up for Ready Player One for the signing, and first out is T.J. Miller. He's like, okay, cool, T.J. Miller, funny guy. You know, he's got the um, Silicon Valley, he's been in some different shows. Oh, yeah, I'm a fan. All right, not bad, not bad. And mm-hmm. then, like, a couple other guys come out, and they're going, okay, please, please, please. And then all of a sudden, Chris goes, you just hear the crowd just erupt. And around <laughs> the corner, sure enough, comes Steven Spielberg to sign the Ready Player One poster. Wow. Um, so, I mean, what a moment. And we actually, we were sitting down trying to figure out, as far as Hollywood royalty goes, who would beat Steven Spielberg for a Comic-Con signing? Seriously. You know, the, the only person, a couple of us kind of argued Bill Murray might be that guy. Um, <laughs> Bill Murray? Oh, dude, love, you got Bill Murray, you gotta love Bill Murray. Uh, oh, believe me, I, I love me some uh, some Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't expecting that name to get popped up. <laughs> I, we, <laughs> but that was not, that was the only name where at least two of us kind of went, yeah, you know what? That would be right up there too. Um, but we couldn't think of anybody else who would beat, you know, from a, uh, a Hollywood royalty standpoint, who would beat Steven Spielberg. So I mean, that that was a huge shock. Yeah, to see somebody of that caliber, you know, coming out and doing the signing as well. And Chris got to um, go up there, say hi to him. Steven Spielberg yeah. signed a poster, the a Ready Player One poster for him that he will, I assume. Matt and frame because if not, I will totally buy that off of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that that is not for sale. Okay, uh, let me reverse okay. it. Unless you come with a strong four-figure offer, I don't see any chance that Chris would ever part with that. What um, what, what if I come with a limp-wristed four-figure offer? Uh, I don't expect it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you you would get a yeah, thanks, but no. Um, <laughs> so that that is you know that Chris and Candace are real good about uh, you know framing their posters. They've got a, a beautiful collection of signed posters up in their uh, in their house now from all their years of Comic Con. Okay. So I'm sure this will be joining them shortly. Oh man, well good for them. That is fantastic. That is ugh, that's so cool. Yeah, so, that's pretty neat. In your opinion, how was the overall offering at the Sideshow Collectibles booth? We're going to pivot to Sideshow Collectibles. For those of you who actually don't know before um, Brad goes into it, Sideshow Collectibles is one of my favorite companies. They specialize in creating a lot of pop culture statues. So different characters from comic books or movies or even some TV shows. It's just uh, it's a a very big presence at Comic-Con. And uh, they now actually distribute for other companies. Companies such as Hot Toys and Prime One Studios and Iron Studios, and I think there's probably a couple others I'm forgetting. But um, how, uh, in your opinion, overall, how was the offering? 
I, I was actually very impressed uh, with Sideshow this year. Um, it hurt my wallet. My wallet was crying as I walked through. Um, <laughs> it was whimpering. It, it was. It really was. And I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, you and I have talked about this, uh, obviously not on your podcast. But for the last few years, I've been a bit disappointed with what Sideshow has brought to the table. Um, you know, they've had a very strong focus on their Court of the Dead line. And I love that line. I probably got seven or eight of the statues from it. Um, but I felt like some of the other lines had suffered as a result. Um, this year, I was incredibly impressed. I walked away with at least seven or eight statues that I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to be buying these as they go up for pre-order. Really? Um, seven or eight? It was quite a few. And actually, I'll, I'll run through a couple of them. Yes, please. Like. Yeah, awesome. some that I was thinking about. Yes, I would um, love to hear so going back to Art Germ, Art, Art Germ had created a uh, trio of Gotham City sirens. You've got a, a Catwoman, Poison Ivy, and a Harley Quinn in a very stylized format. Mm-hmm. And those came out a few months back. Um, and I have to say, when I, when I was looking at the pictures online, I wasn't impressed. But seeing these three statues in person... They are beautiful. They are really? very well done. I, I, both my wife and I looked at them and said, "Wow, we had passed on those, but we may need to go back and uh, and buy those now." You know, I um, actually bought the uh, the prints, the Archer prints that were available on Sideshow's website. Oh, nice! I, I did get those because um, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Art Germ fan. But yeah, right. that that is a is a nice surprise to hear you be excited about those statues. I, I was very impressed with those. Um, I was also impressed with they have a new Wonder Woman premium format that they put out at the show. Mm-hmm. And they put out a Wonder Woman, I don't know, two years ago, give or take. And, you know, she had a very solid pose, you know, kind of straight back, holding her sword, very, you know, almost at attention type pose. And this particular Wonder Woman was much more of a dynamic pose, almost like she's running at the, uh, at the camera, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so very impressed with that one. And then the other thing that they brought that is going to hurt my wallet even more is they have kind of a second generation coming for most of their Court of the Dead statues. Um, So they're going through and they're creating a much more dynamic um, line of their Court of the Dead statues. So I know that I will be buying a number of those as those start to hit the... uh, you know, hit the pre-orders here. Mm-hmm. Um, so very impressed with those. Um, trying to think what else they had. They did have, actually, I did have one big disappointment, though, with uh, with Sideshow there. Got really excited on Thursday when I got an email that the Star Wars Mythos line oh. was coming back. Yes. And, uh, yeah, that, that was, you and I, again, have talked about that as well. That was my favorite line that, mm-hmm. that Sideshow has ever done. They had an Obi-Wan, a Boba Fett, a um, Darth Maul, Gamorrean uh, Guard, and Vader. Mm-hmm. I, I got them all there. And they were just you know, kind of side story versions or romanticized versions of these characters. And they were beautiful. Those statues are oh, just amazing. Absolutely. It's, it's also one of my absolute favorite lines that Sideshow did. And then, of course, for those listening, they um, had to actually stop or halt that particular line due to some sort of licensing issue. Because at that point in time, I believe that they had scored the license from Lucasfilm, but then Disney had acquired Lucasfilm. And as a result, a lot of red tape came up. And it was a really, it was really unfortunate for the collector because... Um, just the mythos line itself 
is centered around this notion that they were taking these characters that everybody knows and loves and placing them kind of almost in between episodes, like in between episodes three and four or in between five and six or something, you know, so on and so forth. And they were able to place them in these types of environmental situations or just, just visual storytelling with the character it was it was such a novel original idea and everybody loved it i mean these these statues if you go on ebay there are certain uh, mythos statues that fetch a very hefty price compared to how much they were when they first came out but anyway go ahead bradley no you're you're absolutely right i mean that's you know the the obi-wan is kind of the uh the pinnacle of that series, I think. Yeah. Um, although the Gamorrean Guard is impossible to find as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, low print runs, I mean, just gorgeous, gorgeous statues. So anyway, so on Thursday, we get this email with a little tease, you know, Mythos is coming back. Get ready to see the Obi-Wan. Well, it turns out instead of a fifth scale, it's a sixth scale. And yeah. it's a p- posable instead of a statue. Big no-no. So, you know, so they did have the Obi-Wan at the booth. I was able to take a look at it, and it looks fine for what it is. It's just not what I was hoping to see when I initially got that uh, that email there. Right. Um, so that was kind of my, my letdown with uh, with Sideshow. Now, it was nice seeing the Prime 1 statues, um, the Mr. Freeze from the Arkham series yes. is there. And you, Russ, have mentioned that that is a Statue of the Year contender. Yep, it is. And I c- could not agree more. I mean that that was a beautiful piece of art. Um, very very impressive. Uh, they is also it big? Debuted, is it as big as it looks in the pictures? It's a good size. I mean, it's they had the Thanos, you know, the, kind of their famed Thanos statue right. about ten feet away, and it it Mister Freeze looks like he dwarfs Thanos. <laughs> oh wow! So yeah, it, it's a good size statue. Um, very impressive looking. And then the Catwoman that they debuted at the show is also very, very well done. As you know, the Prime Ones are not necessarily my thing, but uh, <laughs> others on the podcast may be very excited for that. Yeah, I've been looking at a lot of pictures. I, I appreciate the video that you took of her uh, the first uh, night that Bradley was there. He, he knows, oh, you know, before beforehand, I'm a big uh, Arkham Knight Batman fan. And, and so upon seeing that, he was really quick to like just do a little uh, like 10 second video. And then, I, of course, I'm scouring the Internet trying to find more <laughs> pictures and video. And luckily, people started to plop stuff up there. And I'm, I'm super pumped. Yeah, it's a beautiful statue. I and mean, it is very well done. Um, whatever Prime One's uh, process is clearly works well because they, they simply replicate exactly what the artists behind the series want you to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do a great job with that. Uh, but the only other thing I'd say about uh, Prime One, I had a good conversation, and I wish I'd written down her name because I've forgotten it by now, with one of the designers over at Prime One. And here's an interesting... I'm sorry, over at Sideshow, not Prime One. Here's an interesting factoid for you. Okay. Disney who owns obviously star Wars and Marvel um, will not allow anybody who makes a a statue or a figure of any of their characters to have the character looking in the same direction that they're pointing a gun. It makes them too menacing. So Disney has a requirement that if you, if the character has a gun, a true traditional bullet based gun, she said it doesn't really apply to like, 
Han Solo with his laser blaster mm-hmm. that they cannot, you cannot even basically can't even submit a character design to Disney for approval. If the eyes and the face of the character are aiming in the same direction as they're pointing a, uh, a gun. I'm trying to think of like which characters actually use firearms. I mean, I think of Deadpool. I think of, uh, the Punisher. Punisher. Yep. So uh, Terminator, Dead- but Terminator, I don't think is under the Disney license. So they no. don't have to worry about that. No. Well, think, think about the Deadpool premium format that's coming out. Yeah. He's got guns in both hands. Mm-hmm. Well, for, uh, except for the exclusive where you can change one out for a selfie stick. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> love De- love Deadpool, but uh, he's got guns in both hands and his head is pointing behind him while his guns are going out to the sides. Yep. So there you go. Just interesting little factoid. Um, you know, she was pretty funny. She goes, yeah, before Disney took over these licenses, you know, she goes, I designed something and then I'd look when the fin- finished product came out and go, yeah, I designed that. And she goes, now with Disney, I designed something and then the product comes out and I go, did I design that? Maybe. Hey, yeah. Oh. Well, it's good to know. It's good, good insider fact there. Uh, which statue would you say was your favorite out of all of them? Um, the Deadpool. <laughs> you're know? still, yeah, you love yourself I, some Deadpool. Oh. That, that is a great statue. Yeah, that that is just, uh, it is dynamic. It is exciting. There's a million and a half things going on. Um, I love that statue. Do you think you're going to buy the Lady Deadpool as well? <sighs> you know, it actually, what was funny, <laughs> um, I may or may not, you know, it depends on when the other pieces hit and what the, uh, what the budget looks like at that point. Um, what was funny is they actually traded out her head halfway through the show. Oh, so we walked by at one point, you know, she had the traditional Deadpool mask on with the ponytail mm-hmm. and, uh, it was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And then a couple days later we walked by and we're going, wait, where's the mask? They totally traded out to a different head. Um, so just, uh, one of the fun little things with sideshows, you can always see something different. Oh. Um, and you may not even notice it, but, uh, they do continue to mix things up. So um, pivoting on to um, gaming, what yeah. games did you demo and which, if any, left a big impression on you? Yeah, so I, I only had the chance to try three different games. You know, video games at Comic-Con have kind of almost taken a back seat um, as GameStop has developed their own expo. PlayStation has their own expo. You know, Microsoft's really the only major company that isn't, going out there doing their own thing mm-hmm. um but i was really excited about the three i got to try or at least two of the three and the third one surprised me so i will tell you the first one i tried was uh, mario odyssey on the nintendo switch oh yeah okay so very very excited obviously one of my my most anticipated games this year uh coming out of e3 a lot of publications were putting that as their game of show um, it's been a long time since we've had a true 3D Mario, um, so I was super excited to try that. I actually checked that one out on preview night. Um, one thing I will never understand is why Nintendo, when they demo games, doesn't give you a good pro controller to play. So what they do is they actually, the Joy-Cons on the Switch will come off, and you know you can have one in your right hand and one in your left hand. And that's how they set you up to play the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking uh, there's not a single person who will ever play the game <laughs> with the Joy-Cons detached. But anyway, um, even with that, 
I loved the 15 minutes or so that I got with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you played Mario Odyssey at the show, you got an option of two choices. You could go to a uh, desert world, which they said is a more traditional you know, Mario 64 type level, or you could go explore the city. So I chose the city because it was something a little bit outside of the norm. Um, so I got to run around in New Donk City for about 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> and I really enjoyed my time there. So I, I got to do a handful of different things. Everything from, you know, you earn a moon for jumping rope with, uh, with some people to going to look for the mayor. So it's a very different feel for a Mario game. I cannot wait to play that game, though. Nice. You know, it left a very positive impression. Um, the next game I checked out was, uh, kind of a nice 16 bit throwback with the upcoming Sonic mania. Oh, I'm interested in that one. Okay. So yeah, I, I, you know, we were walking by and that was one I hadn't thought too much about, to be honest. And there wasn't much of a line. I said, Hey, I'm going to be talking to Russ. Let me play this. See what I think. Um, it starts and you're in green Hill zone. Yeah. 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 You're in the world from the first Sonic, and it looks like and it plays like an old 16-bit game. Cool. Um, it's fast, like the old 16-bit games. I was really impressed, and I went, okay. I, I left the demo for that game saying to myself, I wasn't, I probably wouldn't have played this game or even thought about it, but I will definitely be checking it out when it comes out now. Um, I mean, it is an old-school game. You've got some new power-ups. You've got some boss battles that are little different than what we're used to on the old 16 big games but uh for you sega fanboys over there uh <laughs> <laughs> um i think you guys will both really enjoy sonic mania when that comes out in a couple months here right on. um so the last game i got to try was shadow of war now two things i want to say about this number one it was on an xbox one x that you got to try it oh okay so that was interesting. I will hard to say because it felt like it was kind of a, a beta version of the hardware. Um, but you know, the load screens were fast. It was responsive. It looked beautiful. I'm ex- I'm looking forward to the day though that I can compare a true Xbox One to an Xbox One X. I want to yeah. see what the differences really are. Um, the game itself, though, I mean, I, it's I was a big fan of Shadow of Mordor. I played. God, I played the crap out of that game. Um, so this is more of the same. You can build more of an army, which is cool. I think by the end of my 20-minute demo, I had eight or nine guys following me around and kind of wrecking havoc for me. So that was great. I am really looking forward to that one as well. So actually, I feel like I kind of went three for three because all of the games I tried, I really enjoyed. Um, Sonic Mania was the only one I wasn't sure if I was going to enjoy. <laughs> Well, that's super cool, man. I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to, to get some some hands on that. All three of those games are, are games that I was very curious about. So that's that's super cool. Do you think that you're going to like this, this Shadow of War more than the first one or the same or what? Hard to say. I mean, from a 20-minute demo, it's probably too early for me to, yeah. to really say on that one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I fully expect to play a lot of that game. The only question I have in my mind now is, do I play it when it comes out or do I wait for the uh, Xbox one X that I'm inevitably going to purchase in November? Mm-hmm. Well, the last question I have for you is what uh, will be the next show on your travel list? 
Because you, you, yeah. you've done the WonderCon, right? And you've done yep. uh, D23. You've done San yep. Diego Comic-Con. What's next? You know, um, two more this year that we're at least looking at and considering. Uh, one would be the PlayStation Experience in December. Okay. Uh, so I, I will... I would like to go to that one, and hopefully we can make that happen. Uh, and then the second one we were actually talking about driving out for the day is the Palm Springs Comic Con at the end of uh, August here. So Palm Springs Comic Con, <laughs> I didn't know they even had one. Okay, <laughs> That's be I, hot. I didn't either, and it popped up on my Facebook feed as a "You may like this." Um, <laughs> it seems like every city's adding you know their little shows, but what I what interested me with Palm Springs is. Stanley is going to be there, and I, I'd like to get. You know, I, I've met Stanley. I've got a couple signatures from Stanley. I would like to get a picture or something before he stops doing shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that interested me was uh, Carrie Payton, who plays King Ezekiel on The Walking Dead, is going to be at the Palm Springs Comic Con as well. Don't you have uh, a poster of The Walking Dead that you, where you have like every cast member's autograph on it? So, yeah, a few years back, we started a, uh, a poster. We have three going. We have one for Walking Dead, one for Battlestar Galactica, and one for Star Wars. And basically, as we go to events or cons that the actors are at, we'll just continue to add folks to the uh, to the posters. Um, Walking Dead, we've probably got 20 people on there, maybe 25 folks on there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're missing some. Definitely need to get those added. But my kids were talking about creating their own and starting their own Walking Dead posters. So that was kind of what started the conversation of, oh, let's look and see who's where. And it just all kind of came together. For For me, Palm Springs is about an hour 15, hour and a half drive. So easy to head out there for a day. Very cool. Yeah, well, you'll have to come back on the show and tell us all about that particular Comic-Con. I'd be curious to see how large it is. And if so, just what kind of experiences you have there. But we... Certainly do appreciate you coming back on here, giving us the lowdown on the second half of San Diego Comic-Con. It's always a pleasure on this side of the conversation, Bradley, as you well know. And I'm probably going to call you again tomorrow to pick out more nitty-gritty details. (laughs) Well, I will be around anytime, guys. I'm happy to come on and talk about Comic-Con, talk about video games, talk about movies, talk about all of the things that you guys like talking about. You just let me know when you want me on, and I'll be there for you. Awesome. Will do. All right, man. Take care. All right, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Brad. See you. Thanks, Pipe. Well, let's move on to our topic of the day, which is the Destiny 2 beta. Um, first and foremost, this is something that was that we were uh, discussing before the show. Apparently, the beta is free. Is it still available to folks to be able to download right now, Nick, or has that, that opportunity passed? No, it, it is free. It opened up, I believe, yesterday to everybody. Okay. So if you have a PlayStation console or a Xbox... You can hop in right now, go into your your store for that particular console, and you can go ahead and get into that beta, and it'll be open through Sunday. If I'm cor- yeah, that's correct, the 23rd. That's the last day it'll be open. So you got three days to dip your foot in the pool and give it a shot. I am going to download that right after this show because I would like to get a little little taste of it. And uh, and apparently too, they have like some sort of promotion going on. I know on Xbox Live with um, I think it's like Gold Week or something. I'm not exactly sure what the details are. I saw something briefly on it, but I think that can be applied also to the Destiny Two beta. Um, but in, in any event, first and foremost, uh, just at a high level, what did you think? 
it's it's been interesting playing it just because I've been playing Destiny One as we talked about the last time I was on the show for three years, and so going into Destiny Two, I think that the, a lot of people have a lot of expectations based on what has come so far. And also a lot of expectations on how the game is going to advance. So I would say just like an overall impression, very polished. It seems like it sticks at its 30 frames per second a lot better. Destiny 1 kind of was a jittery 30 frames per second. Mm -hmm. And this one seems to be a much more stable 30 frames per second on the whole. So it, it, it looks a lot better, which is crazy. It shouldn't really... I wouldn't think that would make that big of a difference, but it does. It just seems smoother and cleaner. Um, but overall, I would say I'm pretty impressed. They got a few hiccups that they need to work on that they've actually already addressed, which we can go into a little bit later if you'd like. But uh, oh, yeah. overall, I would say that I'm I'm pretty pretty impressed by what is to come. Very cool. And what about some of the things that you noticed that um, were possible detractors from the game? Like, was, was there anything that, that you noticed that was standing out where you're like, ooh, I hope they get that fixed? Uh, definitely. I would say first and foremost, and this is something that you can go and, and find lots of people talking about all over the internet, is that it seems currently the way it's set up, like they've really made a lot of changes based on a focus on player versus player versus the player versus environment game. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of us who prefer that player versus environment game and enjoy raiding and doing patrols and some of the other activities that are afforded currently in Destiny... We look at some of their design choices and it just screams, hey, let's get this game ready to go MLG. If you're not aware, Activision owns MLG. Oh, I did not know e -sports. that. Yep, they own that esports uh, venue. And so it would make sense that with the Crucible, which is the PvP portion. Uh, eh, I can talk. The PvP portion. <laughs> of <laughs> it's the thing where they go in with the guns yeah. <laughs> and they shoot each other, go bang, bang, pew, pew. Yeah, no. So the Crucibles, the PvP portion of the game, they've got a mode currently that's called Trials of Osiris in Destiny 1. They're going to have something like that eventually in Destiny 2, which is going to be a highly competitive mode. I it just It looks like from the outsiders looking in with some of their design choices that they've really pushed to make the game super, super balanced for PvP. And in doing so, it's made the player versus environment side of the game a little lackluster. They, 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 one of the big things that they did is they changed the way the weapon loadouts work. So currently in Destiny 1, you have a primary weapon, then you have a special weapon, and the special weapon could be like a sniper rifle or a shotgun or a fusion rifle. So a little bit, you know, higher caliber, higher damage type weapons that can take guys out and, you know, in a single shot. And then, of course, you've got your heavy weapons, which are your things like rocket launchers and grenade launchers, things like that, which are the big damage dealers mm -hmm. and better for crowd control and stuff. So that's the way it is currently. So what they've done is because they could never figure out, out how to balance that ammo economy in, in PvP in the first game, they basically just like changed the way the weapon loadout works, where now you're going to have a kinetic weapon and you're going to have a elemental weapon and the kinetic and elemental weapon are essentially the same thing they're basically the same weapon types as the primary weapons from destiny one so it's things like auto rifles pulse rifles scout rifle which is kind of like the dmr from uh from halo and uh sidearms and submachine guns so you know just your basic personnel yeah firearm 
you know, got to hit them a bunch of times to kill somebody. So those two slots are taken up by that. And then you just have a power slot. So that secondary or special weapons slot is now gone. And they took snipers, shotguns, and fusion rifles, which were the three one-hit kill weapons, and they moved all those down into the power weapons. So now they're down in the same category as rocket launchers and grenade launchers and swords. Do you like and that other things. I do and I don't. Um, and that's where one of the, the things that they've actually already addressed comes in. Uh, when you're playing the, the strike that's available in the beta right now, which is called the Inverted Spire, you go in there and you're fighting all these different enemies and you're working your way down to this boss and it's a really cool strike. Lots of fun. You'll really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. We'll have to play it later today. And it's it's really great, but you're like... As a Destiny 1 player, you're so used to like, okay, shoot these guys. Oh, there's a guy with a shield. Let me pull out my sniper and shoot him from a distance. But there's no ammo for your sniper because you're looking for power ammo and power ammo is not dropping. So you're forced to kill everything, including the boss with primaries. I I went through the strike a couple times where I never had one of the bricks of power ammo ever drop. So I had to just fight the entire strike with my primaries and that gets old it gets stale people want that variety people want to have that power fantasy Hmm. and so they now since then luke smith the game director has come out and said hey we're working on something that that we are aware of that issue it will be fixed when it drops you will find power ammo more frequently and there will be certain enemy types that will always drop power ammo when you kill them so they are addressing it but currently in the beta felt a little weird and then, of course, getting used to having two, essentially two primary weapons versus having, you know, three different weapon types has also been a little strange. But it, it has resulted, I will say this, it has resulted in more um, enjoyable experiences when you are playing PvP. So I think ultimately it probably is a good decision. They're just going to have to really keep an eye on how they set up the ammo drop economy for non-crucible activities. Now, how, in terms of the PvP, how is that set up? Is it just, you're just fighting against NPCs, or do you can you actually go up against other players that are playing the game? How is that set up? Yeah, you fight against other players in PvP, and so there's going to be two modes. You'll be able to hop in um, to one map of each for the beta. There's going to be what they call the the quick play mode, which is kind of the more casual, which is going to have the mode called control. So control's kind of like territories on Halo. Mm-hmm. You're going to have three points on the map. You want to get in there and gain control of the territory. You want to always be holding at least two while you slay all of your enemies that are coming at you to take the territories. People who hold the territories longest and are doing a good job killing the other team, they're going to win. So that's kind of more of a, f- for, you know, it's a very frantic but fun kind of more casual mode. And then they've got their competitive modes. And in their competitive modes, they're going to have, you know, very um, goal-specific games. In, in those modes, when you die, you don't just revive. You're kind of dead, kind of like Counter-Strike. Uh, someone can revive you, but um, you can't revive yourself. In the other mode, you die and there's like a quick timer of like, you know, 5, 10 seconds, and then you can hit X and come back into the game and keep playing. So in PvP... Is it is it fair to say that like the, the the multiplayer maps are very much in the same vein as like what you'd expect if you went on to Halo and you play multiplayer like like a territories or King of the Hill or something like that in terms of the scale of the map or is it much larger or paint a, a picture for me for that? Um, they, you know, the, the design, if you're a Halo player and you come into Destiny, it's going to feel familiar, but different. It's going to feel familiar in that, 
the level design that you're used to seeing from from Bungie Studio and from 343 is very similar. You're going to have a good mix of uh, you know symmetrical and non-symmetrical maps designed for a four versus four format because all of the competitive PvP modes are four versus four. They don't have like a Warzone type mode or anything like that. We're going to go in with a whole bunch of people. Everything's 4v4, so it's designed for small fire teams, coordinated efforts. And they've really designed the 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 PvP experience to be very informative. So as you're playing, you're gonna have a lot of stuff up on your heads up display that tells you what's going on. Um, when you move into a new area down by your radar, it's actually got a name for it. So if you're like over by the market, you can tell your guys, hey, I've got enemies coming to market, because it'll say market right underneath your radar oh, so people cool. can get to know people can get to know the areas of the map and stuff for call outs and things like that and then there's icons at the top of the screen that'll tell you when both people on your team and people on the enemy team have their super ability available because it's it's destiny so it's not just guns you've got special abilities that are pretty freaking awesome but in terms of the multiplayer <laughs> experience though would you say it's it's very similar to that of it's not like an mmo where like it's like this endless map that you're fighting on there there, no, there, there no, are it's, edges it's, to it's the Halo. world yeah there's edges to the world. It's a confined space, and that's it's on a time, you know, a time limit. Uh -huh. So either you, you hit you hit that point, you get to that point threshold, or you run out of time, and then it'll end. Um, they even have things in place where if you're getting pub stomped, where the the crucible quartermaster whose name is Shax will actually come in over the you know the microphone and say, "I'm calling this," and he'll end maps, you know, matches early if you're just getting your butts absolutely railed. Hmm. So. So, but yeah, if you're used to, to Halo and Halo style multiplayer, it's basically as far as just the, the very basic setup. Let's just be very clear because it's a different game, yeah. but the very basic setup is very, very similar. So in terms of the, uh, the actual story uh, where you get to, you, you, I assume you play cooperatively through the, the, the story campaign. Is that integrated into PVE or is the PVE its own standalone feature as well? You, you know, it's, it's, it's all kind of kind of integrated so how it works is basically you have this thing called the director and the director's like a giant map and i remember and this initially yeah. yeah initially on the director you'll have the different planets that you can go to so you'll choose the planet you want to go to once you go there you get a new map which is a map of the entire thing the entire planet and all the activities that are available there and so you can kind of seamlessly move between things by just going into the director and saying, okay, I want to do this story mission, or I want to go and check out this public event that's happening over here, or or you can even go and just click on the you know the Crucible side and go directly from a story mission and move into PvP and get in the PvP queue mm -hmm. for Crucible. So it, it's it's very fluid and it's very well integrated, and basically you kind of have uh, a lot of agency to kind of choose what you want to do at any given time. So what what is the the play experience like on the servers when you were on the beta? Were they crashing a lot, or were they actually able to hold up due to the traffic? Uh, on the whole, it's been a pretty stable experience. I I was pretty impressed because they're not going to a dedicated server format, which is what the, the community's been crying for that for three years. Get dedicated servers, get dedicated servers. Uh, and what they've been using to this point is they've been using basically a hybrid of peer to peer and client based servers. Okay. And they're, they are buffing that, though. Like, I think currently in Destiny 1, their server, all it does is, like, some basic, some basic stuff. Uh, 
and the new servers are going to host the physics and the the world building side of it. And the only thing that the peer to peer is going to have to be concerned with is actual movement within the area you're at, and then using your abilities. Okay, that's all that you're. So they've taken a lot of the load off. And what that's done is, for the most part, my matches have been pretty stable. Haven't had a lot of guys, you know, teleporting all over the place or invincible opponents that I can't seem to damage mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's definitely improved. There are still some things, some legacy issues where you know you shoot a guy and he runs partially around a corner and then he dies, or you melee a guy and your melee hits and. It hits before that guy even starts swinging, but his melee still triggers is hitting you and you both die. You're occasionally still going to have a little bit of that here and there, but it's definitely better. Mm-hmm. Now, with the beta itself, are they making all of the character classes available up front or are they only making one or two available? Well, they've been kind of hush-hush about the character classes. Well, not the classes, but the subclasses. Uh, Currently in Destiny 1, you have three subclasses per character. You have a solar-based subclass, an arc or lightning-based subclass, and then a void-based subclass. Every class is available. You've got a Titan, you've got a Warlock, and you've got a Hunter. So you can play as one of each. You can play as three Titans in the beta, whatever you want to do, but you can make three characters and play through. So the three classes are available, but of their subclasses, each only has two available, and it's like partially leveled. So you have your main part of the subclasses all all available to you, and then you've got one skill tree that's unlocked. And But then there's another skill tree that's below it that you can't do anything with. So that's what they did. And so for the Titan, the Titan has their Arc and their Void subclass unlocked. The Warlock has their Void and their Solar subclass unlocked. And the Hunter has their Arc and their Solar subclass. So each of them is missing one. Okay. But... But it gives you a good idea of how things are going to play. And the other thing is the abilities have changed. They're not the same as they were in Destiny 1. There are some similarities. Some things have carried over. But in general, all of the supers are a little bit different. So it's interesting. It's it's pretty fun. I've been having a good time trying them out. Now, have you had a chance to – I know that the, the beta hasn't been out for too long here. But have you had a chance to try all the different uh, character classes? Uh, yes, I have. I uh, played on the PS4 since it had uh, a day earlier uh, beta release. So I got on there. I've played all three on that one. And then I've played the Titans so far over on my Xbox. So which one do you like more? As far as character? Yeah, just overall. Oh, well, you know, I'm a Titan guy at heart. Anybody who knows me, I'm like Titan for life. So I got to <laughs> roll with Titan. Uh, Titans are big. Titans are about punching things, nice. so about smashing stuff. Yeah, they're they're fantastic, and the, they've it, they've added this new ability. And it's it's called the Sentinel. So the Void based super or subclass of the of the Titans called the Sentinel. And if you like Captain America, you're really gonna like the Sentinel. Okay. See, like he. He, when he pops his super, it goes fwing, and the shield pops up on his arm that looks just like Captain America's big round shield. And you can take that thing and you can fling it at enemies and it bounces off them and ricochets, or you can just smash into people with this thing and hmm. just beat them to death. Um, it also has the ability to, to run forward and block 
um, shots. So if people are shooting at you and you want to close the gap to start bashing them with your shield, because you can usually only throw the shield like once when your super's activated, then you got to go to do melee. But if the opponent's away from you, you need to be able to get over there without dying. So you can hold the uh, the left trigger or the uh, the L2 button on the PlayStation controller, and you can sprint towards them with the shield in front of you and block a lot of the damage from them shooting at you and then get in their face and just start pummeling them. And that's the Sentinel. It's awesome. That's a Sentinel. That's Sentinel Titan. He's awesome. So if you had to compare a the, the Titan to a Marvel character, which one would it be? The, t- the Titan to a Marvel character? Yeah. He's kind of a combination. Well, <laughs> depending on what you're playing. Because you said Captain America was Sentinel, so I'm like, oh, let's just keep going with this. Let's keep riffing on this. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he, he has a bit of a... He's kind of a combination of Captain America and Iron Man a little bit. He doesn't have, like, the obviously the firing pulses out of his hands or anything like that, but your armor is very Iron Man-esque. Mm-hmm. So you look kind of big and bulky, kind of a combination of Iron Man, Master Chief kind of a build. Sure. Um, but, I mean, in Destiny 1, the Sunbreaker throws freaking hammers like Thor. So, I mean, he, he's kind of dabbling all over the Avengers right now. <laughs> and then you said the third class was the Warlock. Is that right? Yeah, so you got a Hunter and you got a Warlock. And so which one, which characters would you say uh, match up mostly? And you can go beyond Marvel if you have to. Oh, beyond Marvel? Well, if you were going to do a general a generalization, you would say the Warlock's kind of your Doctor Strange type character. He, they dabble in magic. They have big bombastic you know, blasts they shoot out. So they have like their Nova Bomb, which is this big giant you know, purple orb that flies out and blows things up. They wear robes. They're kind of more of the mage type. So I'd say they kind of got a Doctor Strange thing going on. But they've also they, – their new ability is called the Dawn Blade. And so they like burst into flame. They get these huge flaming like angel wings and you can jump up and you can actually stay suspended in the air. And you got this great big flaming freaking sword and you're just just raining death down on people because the sword swings and shoots out blasts of fire that rain down on people. And you can, you can just like, you can probably throw like six or seven of these blasts. I love some, uh, Flaming angel <laughs> yeah. wings myself, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Flame, yeah flaming like, angel go. wings and flaming swords is a good combo. Like <laughs> they go good with the tiger mane loincloth. Yeah. yeah, it's a good yes. combo. Oh my gosh. There you go. Brilliant, I tell you. Someone get a pencil it's, on it's, paper. It's a visual. It's a visual metaphor. And so, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, they can just rain death on people and uh, they've got some pretty cool skill abilities where they can put down like these auras that are, that are around them where you're... Uh, your allies can get into and they can either do extra damage while they're in there or they can heal. So they've got some really cool abilities too. Um, uh, the hunter, the hunter, the hunter is a selfish class. You want me to talk about the hunter? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> the hunter is kind of your, uh, black widow, uh, Hawkeye kind of class. You know, it's, it's, I the was wondering type. if there's a class like that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. They're, they're the selfish class. They don't have any nice abilities to help their team out. Really. They've got one ability that kind of helps their team out, but not like the Sentinel and the, uh, the warlock do, but, but they're, they're still really cool and they're very fun. They, they get to wear cloaks. They're probably the coolest looking character in the game. I guess you could say they look pretty neat. Uh-huh. They, you know, they get hoods and cloaks and they, they look pretty awesome, but, but they're squishy. They don't have as much armor typically as the Titan does, or even the Warlock for that matter. So they're kind of more the agile, quick class. But I got to say, I I hate to say this, I had a ton of fun playing the Hunter. The Hunter has a new class called the Arc Strider. And so they pop their super and lightning shoots all over and their whole body's glowing with lightning and they get this staff. 
and they can run around and smack people with the staff, which in and of itself doesn't sound all that amazing. But the cool thing is that they've kind of put in a almost an almost Tekken like combo system for when you have your super activated. So, I mean, yeah, you could just run up and just keep hitting your, your R1 trigger, you know, your right trigger, and you'll just sit there and smack them with your stick. But if you learn the combos, there's all kinds of cool things you can do. So, like, if you hit, like, you know, like on the PlayStation, if you hit R1, R1, and then R2, he'll do, like, this really cool, like, combination, like, swinging the staff, smacking people, and then he does this, like, palm strike where he shoots out a blast of arc energy. I like arc and, energy. And, yeah, and I and, like lightning. I like you. Yeah, I mean, and I like smacking people with my staff. <laughs> well, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt hurt either that the the staff itself, when you pop it, it kind of sounds like a lightsaber too, which is pretty dope. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So you're like flipping around all over the place and smacking people with the staff. And if yeah, if you can learn the different combos, the Arc Strider can actually do a lot of things. So I I didn't enjoy it as much in Crucible. But I really liked it when I was playing the strike. So PVE was a lot of fun because you can just mow through ads with that thing. Uh, another question I have for you is, did Bungie provide any information as to whether or not there would be additional changes when the game actually goes gold? Or was that basically it when you were playing it? When you say additional changes, uh, give, give me give me an example of what you mean. Uh, like graphical upgrades or um, are there certain... like? I, I know, I, I think I, I want to, let me just ask you this. I heard somewhere about how they just put you with legendary weaponry up front in the beta. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. You're basically, you're level 20 to start in the beta. You can't level up or anything. You're locked into a level. Okay. So you're level 20, 200 light level, and you've got a full loadout of legendaries. And then each class ends up at one point during the first mission that you have to play when you load in mm -hmm. the first the story mission. Uh, during that mission, you'll get an exotic weapon, which they're they're fun. I like all three of the ones they, they gave us. Yeah. Titan one is the best. <laughs> what? I didn't hear. I anyway, heard something. What I was heard that? something. Yeah. Somebody whispered. It's Titans are the best. They get this. <laughs> they get a mini gun. Titan. It's a freaking amazing. <laughs> It's called it's called a uh, sweet business, which it's just I love it because, you know, I, I hear sweet business. Then I think of sweet Christmas like Luke Cage. But then I hear sweet business and one of the perks on it's called business time. So I think of flight of the Concords and then I want to start singing. Oh, man. It's like it's business. It's business time. Did you know what I'm talking about? When I said the time of business, it's business time. Ooh. You know, every time I see that perk, <laughs> I want to do that. So uh, so it, it hits a lot of really, you know, little happy spots for me. But anyway, I, I digress again. I like hitting happy spots, uh, too. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, oh, man, but I digress. Happy spots. <laughs> I feel so good. Good, good, good. I like being happy. Yeah. Well, who doesn't like being happy? I like right? that spot. Uh, <laughs> I like it a lot. But uh, yeah, no. So yeah, you start level 20. You start with a full set of legendary gear, both armor and weapons. And then you get this exotic and you get to take all that stuff and go try out the different modes that they offer, which is the, you know, two different crucible modes with two different maps. And you get to try out the inverted strike or inverted spire strike. Spire strike. <laughs> and you can do these things by yourself or you can get your buddies like me Ooh. and go do fun things together. Very cool. But as far as, as far as additional things like graphical fidelity and things like that. So if you have a PS4 pro, you're going to be able to 
run the game at 4K 30 frames per second. Uh, if you have a PC and you get the PC version, although it's not going to release till later, I want to say October 28th, I think is the release date for the PC. Mm. Um, and currently there is not a PC beta available. It's going to be later this August that the PC beta goes live. Um, they can, their frame rates uncapped. So whatever your system can run, knock yourself out but they're also going to be available to do 4k 60 frames plus per second so for those people who have tried it some of the people from the podcast that i do have had a chance to try that at e3 they said that it is buttery smooth and really really pretty so i like buttery smooth yeah so if you're if you're a pc guy and you've got a high-end pc and don't mind doing the mouse and keyboard thing uh, you're gonna get the the best overall graphical experience, most likely there. I like you, as buttery far as smooth. Uh, oh, I'm buttery smooth, and my graphical experience is superb. Ooh, so smooth when I'm rubbed with butter. Slide right into uh, something salted or unsalted. Yeah, salty butter. Oh, I, I play Crucible, so I'm salted. Oh, yeah, go. I'm definitely salted. I play <laughs> PvP games, salted butter. Well, the final anyway. final question I have for you though is. So you play it on both PS4 and Xbox One. Which oh, yeah. which one do you prefer to play it on in terms of the controller? Oh, see, now this is a good question because, you know, uh, there is definitely a difference between the two controllers. It's not that the six-axis controller is a bad controller. It's a decent controller. But I kind of feel like the controller is built for carnies, you know, people with small hands. Shook his Smell like cabbage. Yeah, I have giant brute hands, so <laughs> I, every time, every time I'm going to play this thing, I feel like I'm going to crush it. You know, I feel like a gorilla trying to pet a kitten. It's just, it's not good. So Coco pets I gotta kittens. say, well, you know, it's been a trained monkey. I'm not a trained monkey. Oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> I play, <laughs> I play it there. It's okay. I can make it work. But man, it's that Xbox control. The Xbox controller is so smooth. And it's and it's, it feels good in your hands. It's it's amazing. You just wanna just wanna hold it. You wanna caress it, feels, it, don't you? Feels right. It feels good. Yeah, it feels right. I like to. It feels so right. Grip it. <laughs> I like to oh. push buttons on it. Oh yeah, it pushes buttons like, and it likes it when you do. I like the button colors. Mm. Oh. <laughs> And, and, and then he's got the X and the Y. I like that. But you know I want to find that Z. I like mm-hmm. the, the, the triggers. I like to squeeze the triggers. <laughs> oh, and that rumble feedback that we vibrate in my hand and my lap. I like the B button. It's good. The B button reminds me of boobies. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like those? If you're a baby, you're hungry, you love them. If you're a man, well, maybe you like them too. But yeah. I love those bumpers. I like how the X button lights up when I push it. <laughs> Stick. I love the feel of good stick in my hands. I like the deep pad um, Stick gives me joy. Gas so much joy. <laughs> <laughs> I, like to, I like to bump up against those bumpers. Ah, uh, Bucky baby bumpers. <laughs> <laughs> feels good coming off the tongue and in your hand. My, my <sighs> palms are getting sweaty when I play for hours mm. with the Xbox controller. <laughs> I need, I need some, I need some palm AC to cool my palms. <laughs> oh, oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. 
Xbox. Lost. So yeah, I'm a fan of the Xbox controller. <laughs> Xbox controller pretty good. Back to beta. It feels good. Oh, for some yeah, reason, I thought the I lights mean, went down. Man, that was... Whew. For a minute, <sighs> I saw my destiny. Why am I smoking a cigarette? My goodness. <clears throat> My my pants came off. What happened here? <laughs> Why am I sweating right now? I don't get it. I'm sweating all over. I'm naked and I'm all wet. <laughs> I'm naked and I don't even remember taking my clothes off. I don't know what happened. Yeah, no, I, I, I've I always been an Xbox controller fan. Um, I, I will say as much as I like the Xbox One controller, I think my favorite probably is still the 360. I think that was like controller nirvana yeah. that's such a wonderfully built controller but uh i recently broke my xbox elite controller my 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 right bumper oh no i was loving it too hard and it busted or did you just but, throw uh, it at your tv accidentally no 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 i don't really oh, do the rage it. thing anymore if I start getting angry enough to drop, you know, an f bomb or something stupid like that i just stop playing i just yeah. so mature I, uh, I don't think i've got there yet nick no, you, you gotta work on that. It's less expensive once Not you do. Broken. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I know it looks like a boomerang. Don't throw it like one. They don't do well. Um, but yeah, so my my right bumper broke in my Elite controller. So I'm, I'm in the process of uh, playing with my standard, which still is better than that PlayStation one. But um, honestly, yeah, I mean, the only reason I'm even playing on the PlayStation is because one, I mean, I do a podcast. I have a community that plays on both. So I kind of want to be able to jump between both communities and because of the exclusives that are available on the PlayStation versus the other systems. And it's uh, in a game where you dump so many hours into every bit of variety is a plus. So, so, so yeah, overall, are you pumped for, for destiny? Just, just, when Destiny 2 is out, are you that much more excited? Or are you at the same level you were before or what? I would say that my level is uh, is about where it was before. I'm pretty excited, but I'm also, you know, I have, I have some reservations just based on some of the things we talked about. I really hope that um, when we see more of the game that it has enough things going on for it on that player versus environment side and player versus enemy side that uh, that it's going to sate that side of my appetite. I really hope that the, the fears that we're having currently based on just the limited access we have in the beta about the game appearing to be very PvP focused mm. is, is just um, more out of the fact that they didn't want to give us too much. You know, they don't want to spoil the story. And that they're listening to people's feedback. Because, I mean, you're always going to get your haters that are on the internet that are just on there. Oh, this game sucks. You guys are a bunch of retards. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you're doing. You know, you're going to get that guy. But there are a lot of people on there that are giving, like myself, good feedback to to Bungie about what we like, what we don't like, some things that could bear improvement. And they've already started to respond to some of that. So that gives me hope that in the long run, by the time it drops in September, that... Uh, some of the issues we're seeing in the beta will be fixed. And the one thing I always, you know, will hang my hat on with them is that they are a studio that listens. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty darn excited. I'm pretty darn excited. There, there's some things that are changing that, you know, I'll miss that are currently available in destiny one, but I like the direction they're going. I think they've made good decisions that are going to make the game better ultimately, but will take some getting used to. Mm. So, but I'm looking forward to playing it with as many as my friends as I can get on there. Awesome. Well, we definitely appreciate you coming on to the show and, and giving us an update on that. I, for one, am definitely going to download the, uh, the, the beta just so I can get a little 
hands-on experience with it. Um, I'm, I think Steve, actually, you were talking about wanting to do that as well. Although I don't know how much hard drive space you may have to. Well, Russ, what I think I'm going to do is uh, you go ahead and download it, and I'll play it after you go to sleep. Eat your all your uh, your gambling <laughs> snacks, and um, yeah, no, you always do no, that to me. <laughs> Yeah, that's Ray- it's not the game that you deserve, Steve. <laughs> but it's the game you needed. I'll just download it. I want to raid the pantry. What is what's good in here? <laughs> Peanut butter pretzels. I like those. You're gonna raid something, all right? <laughs> oh boy, Steve, what are you doing in my bed? Ah, it's a raid, baby. <laughs> I'm, try- <laughs> I'm trying on your leotard. <laughs> <laughs> Banana hammock. Like, I like your leg warmers. <laughs> Here we can swap loincloths. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, I got the tiger with the mane. Sweet. Yeah, you got Heck one? Yeah. I'm wow. a warrior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, thanks a lot for joining us on this episode of 27. Uh, if you have any, like I said, any questions, comments, or just want to show us some love, you can find us on Twitter at TV and Facebook.com slash TV. So until next time, and believe me, we would love to have Nick back on. Nick, are you able slash willing slash just interested in rejoining us in the future? Yeah, but only if Steve downloads the beta. I'll download the beta, and we, what we got to do is we got to have like a live stream of the three of us playing. Either you, I think either we got to do it on Destiny, and we got to do it on... Um, on um, uh, Xbox One? No, 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 no. Ah! Another mind read over here. Diablo. We got to do it with Diablo. Oh, yeah. Because oh, I've yeah, never even definitely. played. I mean, I think I, I had like 10 minutes of playing like a uh, few years ago on the 360, mm-hmm. but I haven't played. So we got to live stream it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You got to do it. Well, very cool. Until next time, folks, we will bid you adieu and happy gaming. Happy gaming.